It's Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, and today we are once again visiting with mayoral candidates. We're going to talk about an area of the city that many of you might actually never spend any time in, but in any city, it is one of, if not the most important area of said city. And we're talking, Greg, about downtown. Yeah, I've been to uh, probably 20 major cities around the world, uh, not once. Ah, no, that's not true. I went to Ikea in Vancouver once. (laughs) Okay. Because I had to see it. And that was before we had Ikea in Winnipeg. But the point is, you go downtown. You go to the heart of the city. Typically, that's where the hotels are. That's where the events are that you've gone to that city for. And so it is the face of the city. It represents the entire city, whether you like it or not. And, Loren, uh, for many of us, embarrassment, does that come up? When it comes to our downtown sometimes? Well, I think it's because if you have been to other cities, as you have, as I have, as Brett have, like many of us have had, the downtown's where you go. It's where you might stay. It's where the people you're visiting will take you to show off the parts of their city. And you have to ask yourself, do we do the same for Winnipeg? Yes. We might take them to the Forks. We might take them to parts of the exchange. But if you're bringing a friend or family member down to a show, down to a Jets game, out for supper. Where are you taking them in and around that experience? And what things are you saying along the way? Or what route do you take to maybe show it off in its best light? I mean, starting from Winnipeg all the way, airport all the way downtown, you might alter how you pick somebody up and bring them to their hotel. Great point. Based on the fact that you don't like what you're seeing along the way. So I think embarrassment can work sometimes. And on the other hand, there's been such great work done. There's so many little gems in the downtown that they're worth talking about too, which is why we're going to spend much of today speaking to the downtown. Crime is worse, we know. There's more vacancies for storefronts. Businesses are struggling. What are we going to do about it? Obviously, I, I that was a little cynical on my part, but I think that's uh, that's more of a representation. I think of how we view For it sure. as a whole. Personally, I'm with you. There are so many great parts and pockets of the downtown, but you made a great point about how you might alter your route or how you might show somebody around, uh, even going from point A to point B. And I was a a volunteer back in the 90s for something called Rendezvous Canada. It was a, a convention of travel agents that came to Winnipeg where everybody came to sort of brag about where they were in Canada and convince travel agents to book Uh, trips to those respective communities and I can remember leading the buses from the airport and the and the buses purposefully took a different route from the airport than the most direct route from the airport to downtown to avoid certain parts of the city oh that's interesting I remember um going I mean every every downtown I imagine has its shady spots of course I remember going to my uh, the first time I went to Calgary with a couple of buddies, we stayed downtown, loved it, and loved all of the various amenities and some of the cool things that they had. And we went for a walk just to explore, and we found ourselves in some park. I don't know. Um, and as soon as we walked into it, we realized we should not be here <laughs> because within five seconds, one guy was like, "Hey, want to buy some drugs?" And uh, and it, and every person in that park looked like they could be a potential drug dealer. That's what it felt like, right? If we were outsiders, who knows? There might have been a lot of just friendly people there hanging out. But so every every place has that. But I walk home through downtown every day, and I and. I thought, as you brought up, you know, the taking people around, if I was bringing visitors around, 
I don't know that I would be comfortable even walking them through downtown in the middle of the day because I have my head on a swivel at all times because you see a lot of unsavory types in our downtown. doesn't matter what time of day. Like Mm -hmm. I would, and that's walking home at 1130 in the morning. I would never even think about walking to work at four in the morning. Yeah. I had a a family member come to Winnipeg a few years ago. They were staying at the Fairmont for work. And I said, well, let's meet for supper. And he wanted to go to the keg. And I said, I'll pick you up. And he said, oh, it just looks like it's only, you know, eight blocks, like or six blocks. I'll walk. And it was 6 p.m. And I was just finished work at the time. And I said, no, I'm going to pick you up. And, you know, you don't want to say why. But first of all, he had to figure out how to cross Portage of Maine to get, you know, like it was like. <laughs> but that aside, I didn't I didn't want I was worried. And that was a couple of years ago, and that's not where we're at right now, right? And so it's it, there, sh- there are these conversations going on in many cities about reinvigorating downtowns, making the downtowns better places. There's crime we know in every parts of the country. I get that. But we really, if it goes without saying that you cannot have a thriving city without a thriving core, and that's our downtown. Yesterday we had the conversation about dementia resources, and one of our listeners went back and forth with pointed out, well, this is an issue across the country. Yes, that was part of our interview. But that doesn't make me feel any better. No. You know, just because Vancouver, downtown Vancouver, is in the midst of a similar, if you want to call it crisis, with regard to crime and random crime and random attacks, that doesn't make me feel any better. That makes me sad for Vancouver. I love going to Vancouver. I understand that there's a a little bit of an evolution here culturally going on, and the pandemic has hit certain parts of the country and and certain parts of cities differently, and so that might be part of it as well. But we want to talk about solutions today and about how we're going to recapture and re-energize, I think, what a lot of people saw as a tremendous amount of momentum in downtown Winnipeg for the better part of the last 15 years. Greg, what are we going to ask listeners today? We're going to talk about the things maybe you've seen elsewhere. Not maybe. Things you have seen elsewhere that you would like to see implemented, brought to Winnipeg. Things that you think might have an impact on whether or not we go downtown, how much time and or money you spend downtown, your feelings about downtown. And, uh, yeah, we just want to maybe aggregate some some ideas uh, from from the gang here this morning, things they've seen elsewhere that would fit in our uh, downtown. Loren McNabb, something you've seen in a downtown elsewhere that you'd like to see here? Water park. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, God, Greg and I no. both said the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> i just kidding. I just thought I'd get that out of the way so that we don't say that because I'm sure that's going to come up at some point. I've never seen one in a downtown, but it's possible they exist in downtowns. I think there's a couple of things, um, and it's about wa- making them walkable spaces, right? And so for me, uh, I know people like the pedestrian corridors where you have streets that are turned into just pedestrian thoroughfares, like Spark Street in Ottawa. And then speaking of Ottawa, I think we've said this before, we've turned our back on our rivers, and we have to find a way to make them spaces where we, we can actually walk year-round. And so I don't know if that's raising the sidewalk so that they're up on the side and paved. I don't know if that's restaurants on the river. Let's bring boats back on the rivers. But water is an attraction in, in any a city that has it. And we don't look at the water in our city. Unless, you're, unless you go down to the forks, there's really no space where you're sitting there and enjoying the, the beauty of your rivers. And so I think that has to be part of our downtown vision. And Rudy texted us uh, earlier this hour saying driving... Uh, Uber yesterday, I drove a lady from airport to the hotel at the Forks, and uh, 
I told them to stay away from the river and walk in groups uh, just because there's safety issues as well on the river walk. So that is uh, troubling. So good point, Loren. What about you, Cameron Portress? Um, you know, there needs to be like a every city that I've ever been like most cities that I've ever been to. They always have like a street, a street where kind of. Uh, there's sort of nightlife and there's like a, a, a big congregation of restaurants and, and pubs and sort of a place where you can kind of go like, okay, we'll go to like uh, every, every like, like Stephen Avid, Calgary, you know, White Street in, in Edmonton, just as just as examples, Granville and Vancouver. I mean, you just go through the list here. I, I think that's something that Winnipeg is sort of lacking is sort of this like one street where there's a lot of people walking around and it's kind of going from place to place. Yeah, those streets aren't in downtown Winnipeg. They're elsewhere in yeah, Winnipeg, right? Well, yeah, and uh, yeah, exactly. Corridon yeah. for a long time was Osborne Village or Osborne was Provence could be. There are a lot of places that could be uh, George Street and St. John, Beale Street in yeah. in Memphis. There's uh, lots of uh, Broadway in Nashville. Lots of examples yeah. of that. I think that's a good one, Cam. I was having a discussion with somebody about that yesterday, and mine's along the same line, and I go to Helsinki, I've been there once. I mean, I don't go there multiple times. This is, I point to Helsinki. <laughs> when I'm in you know, Helsinki. When I go on the, you know, I the weekend You know, to my weekend jaunts to Helsinki. <laughs> um, a pedestrian mall, uh, I think, is a wonderful idea. And uh, what they do in a lot of streets, and I think they do this in Montreal as well. In some streets, they have the uh, geothermal heating underneath the sidewalks. Oh. So there's no snow and ice accumulation. It, it limits the amount of plowing that needs to be done on, on days when you just get a little bit of snow. So I, I'm a big proponent of that. And also just little pocket parks, just little areas. The one place in particular I found exploring one day, it couldn't have been more than maybe a thousand square feet, but it had a little hut and it had washrooms and it had a bar and all these tables were sort of chained up in the corner. So I asked my friend, what happens here? Oh, during the summertime, there's just tables and chairs here. It's like a little pop-up bistro and you can have a beer and a glass of wine and, and that's it. But they're all over Helsinki. Just these little things, they pop up. Just just a tiny little amenity. And these things by themselves aren't going to change things, but it's one kind of piece of the puzzle. That's excellent. That sounds awesome. Uh, uh, Poitras, what about you? I already you went. Oh, did I give you? Did I go to Cam? Okay, <laughs> yeah. sorry, Forte. That's what I meant well, to say. Going going back on like what Cam and what Greg are saying, like I would love to see the Cube stage be that hub where everyone hangs around the cube stage, there's entertainment going on, and you already have, you know, the king's heads there, you have pubs down there, and it'd be nice to be able to walk around there, lots of people, block off the streets there for the weekends mm-hmm. on uh, during the summer, and uh, I just I think they could be great entertainment. Get some vendors down there, some, uh, some shops, uh, just we need foot traffic. And Sarah? Mine comes from uh, Stratford, Ontario's downtown, and I think yes. this could help. Yeah, I just love their downtown so much. Just the, the arts and the theater, which we have some of here as well. I'm starting to discover I'm still new here as well. But this was a local cafe there. They partnered up with their local Humane Society a couple times a week, and they would just bring rescued pets there for people to meet. And you grab a coffee, meet a cat, and it was just there was always lots of people there. It was one of a news story I did back in college because I went in that area and it was just so nice. And we've had so many stories about our humane society as well. So 
I think it could help both problems. I was driving through downtown the other night, Brett, Saturday night, sorry, but across the board, just down the street here on Main Street. Yeah. It was jam-packed with people. Yeah. Packed all yeah. the time. It's like, Always you know packed. what I mean? Like, I people are di- are looking for excuses to come downtown and to yeah. be downtown. Yeah. We, they're, we, they're not allergic to it. Mm-hmm. We they just don't have enough there. reasons to go to my parents and I drove past there on Saturday, and my dad's like, what, what, what's in that place? And I was like, that's the board games. Just go there mm-hmm. and play board games. And he's like, that's a great idea. Yeah, it is. They have like 600 board games or something in there from all over the world, and they can tell you how to play every single one. It's insane and super fun. When I'm walking home through downtown, and I love walking through downtown, but... I kind of have to keep my head on a swivel because there are a lot of unsavory characters. I sometimes see people screaming and yelling at each other, people getting in fights and whatnot. And this is at 1130 in the morning. Never mind when I uh, get out of my cab, uh, Loren, at 4 a.m. when I show up at work. Yeah, and I think we can all agree that we know that there are parts of the downtown that are struggling. There's crime. There's homelessness concerns. There's a growing number of vacant storefronts. But as we also said this morning, there's a lot of gems downtown. The Forks has done great things in recent years. The exchange is lovely. There's a great number of businesses that are amazing. But the question is, how do we attract more businesses to them, more people to them, more businesses to the area? And how do we make Winnipeg and tourists alike feel more safe? Kate Fenske is the CEO of the Downtown Winnipeg Biz and joins us now. Good morning, Kate. Good morning. Let's start with the storefronts because your team recently surveyed the area to count what was or wasn't in some of those spaces. Where is vacancy at? We've been tracking, um, you know, what's been happening downtown on the ground floor um, over the last couple of years um, just to see the impacts of the pandemic. And obviously it has been quite serious. Our ground floor vacancy right now is at 32% in the downtown Winnipeg Business Improvement Zone, which is quite high. Uh, office vacancy is about 16.1%, which is around the national average. So we're really putting a lot of focus on that ground floor. Um, and that's what brings life to the street. That's what brings people down there. You know, you heard um, uh, the listener from the visited Madison, Wisconsin. They're looking for that, that activity, uh, restaurants, bars, retail. And that's some of the things that we think we can bring to downtown Winnipeg in the coming years. How do we do that, Kate? Like that Main Street USA feeling. I mentioned the great college towns in the United States. Madison is also a state capital, so they've got that benefit. But Lawrence, Kansas, just as little in the middle of nowhere place. They've got, yeah, 200,000 university students. But there are barely a, a vacant storefront anywhere for six, seven blocks. And it's just small type businesses, but super walkable. When we had our roundtable discussion, Loren mentioned Spark Street and Ottawa. And a lot of us pointed to different parts of the world where they have these pedestrian only areas. We don't really have any of those in Winnipeg. Where, where's the vision for, for things like that? And they, those don't have to be expensive fixes. Downtowns across North America are, are absolutely trying to figure this out, but definitely the cities that have higher residential populations have fared far better um, over the last couple of years. So I was just in Vancouver and Edmonton. Edmonton's very similar to Winnipeg, um, trying to figure out the same things, also talking about crime, homelessness, which isn't just a downtown issue. It is a citywide issue that we need to tackle it in that way. But when we're looking at activity and bringing people downtown, it really is about people, and you have to create something that people want, energy. Um, when we look at what happened during many fests in September, I was down there all weekend, tens of thousands of Winnipeggers from all corners of the city came downtown, and there was such vibrancy. Um, so I think it's about, you know, 
how can we create a quality of life in our city and unique experiences um, that you can only find downtown? And that's what we have. You mentioned the Forks. You mentioned the Exchange District. We've got the Winnipeg Art Gallery. We've got arts, culture, theater, music, sports. All of that happens downtown. But the thing is, we really do need to focus on our residential population. We know we can't work, rely on downtown workers, you know, coming back five days a week. That's what we've relied on for decades to bring vibrancy to our downtown. So it is more about extending it past 5 p.m. into the week weekends and providing events, activities, and things that people are looking for. Do we still have new businesses that who are willing to move into the area? We do. We've actually had 15 businesses already open downtown in 2022. And what we just launched this week, applications are now open, a major funding program to attract new businesses to our downtown and also support existing businesses. Uh, there's about $2.5 million in that pot of money right now. Um, we're going to be holding new entrepreneurs um, by the hand. Um, and so when you're setting up a business downtown, there's going to be supports available. We're going to be focusing really on those ground floors, making the streets uh, more lively, more beautiful, more attractive, and working with businesses to help get them set up. So you can visit downtownrecovery.ca if anyone's got a really interesting business idea that you think is a good fit for downtown and will help you get there. And then also it is still about supporting the businesses that have committed to downtown, that have set up, that have been there. Um, you know, those 15 businesses that opened this year, there's been a number of businesses that opened 2020, 2021 that are doing really well. So it is about creating that community, but it all comes down to people. And if we're trying to get more people to live downtown, to visit downtown, it is about quality of life. We need more trees, more green spaces, more places that we can activate in terms of public spaces. And that's what we're going to be doing at the downtown Winnipeg business in the next couple of years. Kate, we have just 30 seconds here, but you know, entrepreneurs by their very nature are risk takers. If they were looking at taking that leap to open a business, what's your th- your elevator pitch for them to, to choose the downtown? I think it's going to be big stuff coming in the next couple of years. This is now, we're just on the tip of our transformation for our downtown. There is going to be a new vision. Uh, we're shifting from the central district central business district to the social gathering district so it is about creating that nightlife in the weekends and there is a great community there there's 18,000 residents downtown and we're going to be boosting that by a couple thousand in the coming years so the customers are going to be there too kate fenske ceo of downtown winnipeg biz joining us live on 680 cjob kate pleasure as always thank you thank you so much for talking about downtown Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, we're asking you to tell us what you would like to see in downtown Winnipeg that you may have seen elsewhere. And I've just spotted this one from a listener saying the cost of parking and uh, difficulty that can be associated with that is the deterrent for us. Now, is there a downtown anywhere where you don't have to pay for parking? No, I don't think. I mean, maybe in Minnedosa, but, you know... (laughs) like a small town, but I, no. And, and I, I don't know. I was came downtown the other day and for sure for event nights, it's, it's steeper. It might be 15 or 20 bucks if you're going to a Jets game, unless you find that on street parking, but you can also come downtown and park for a couple of bucks. I understand if, I mean, if you're already coming downtown for dinner or to spend a hundred dollars at a store or go to that show two to five dollars, on top of your $200 night shouldn't be your deterrent. In the evening, uh, most of the parking is free on street. Right. In the evening. I mean, I know it's at a premium, but it's at a premium because there's people downtown. And some of the most popular events um, mean the closing of, of certain streets 
And the parking becomes even more of a premium. Think about events that have been held over the years. I'm thinking of that uh, great big concert at uh, at the Forks and events that have been held at the Forks over the years. The parking essentially disappears. But those are the days when there are the most people downtown. Right. You know, uh, Kate Fenske me- mentioned many fests. That closed down Memorial Boulevard and some adjacent adjacent streets so yeah i I don't know if there are things worth coming down or going anywhere for i don't think the parking is a deterrent how's this suggestion from perry who says build a water canal from the assiniboine river to the red river cutting past true north square to the james street pump house (laughs) so cut a water canal right through downtown i do love the uh canal in ottawa the canal in ottawa how about the uh the river uh in in uh, San Antonio, that's all man-made. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I mean, maybe not the exact location, but I've thought of similar things myself. I think Perry might be onto something. I, I just think with our rivers, we do need to find a way to make them walkable year-round. I mean, I'm not talking about walking on water, but like walking next to them on pavement. Find a way. I When I lived in Ottawa, I walked, rollerbladed, and skated. I was next to those rivers and canals to and from school and work daily. It was a commuter trail, and that it, th- this could be it. Small town salute, and uh, since we're focusing on the health and future of downtown Winnipeg today, downtowns or main streets across Manitoba are a critical part of the health of any community. Yeah, I agree with you on that, Brett. This morning, we want to head west to Manitoba's second largest city, where the Manitoba government is providing $400,000 to support the Brandon Downtown Revitalization Incentive Program, an initiative aimed at supporting the post-pandemic rejuvenation of the city's downtown business community. So, yes, Loren, we are sort of bending the rules of small town salute this morning. But as someone who goes to Brandon, often I always feel like that has a big city, small town feel. And so we're pleased to bring on now Emeka Eggison, Executive Director of the Brandon Downtown Development Corporation. Good morning, Emeka. Uh, good morning. How are you doing? How has business in downtown Brandon fared through the pandemic? Um, there have been challenges for sure, uh, but many of the businesses here, they've been resilient and strong and creative, and they have found solutions to some of the challenges that they're having. But I must admit that uh, uh, some of them are facing real challenges and some have had to close down, unfortunately. Uh, so that's why we are happy, especially with the uh, 400000 dollars announcement for Brandon downtown revitalization. Emeka, I, I, I always say I grew up in Brandon. I spent four years there, formative years. And I remember oh. when the Brandon Gallery first opened, the downtown mall, uh, or along the same lines as Portage Place in Winnipeg, that was seen as, you know, that was going to fix the issues in downtown Brandon. And and I think, I think Brandon has had a lot of the same issues as Winnipeg, but I see you have some innovative programs for assisting businesses improve their facades and storefronts. How does that program work and what what do you think and see as the impact of a program like it? Um, Yes, we've had a great impact, especially with the programs that we currently run. In fact, uh, uh, the program actually helped some businesses in the downtown. In fact, we have uh, two new uh, microbreweries in the downtown 
uh, the, the first in this series. So excited about that. Uh, so we've been able to help other businesses too. So basically, uh, the current programs that we run uh, help businesses who are trying to improve the space that they currently um, exist. And so we provide funding uh, to help them to be able to uh, improve uh, both the exterior and the interior space where their businesses will exist. Now, in Winnipeg, there is a bit of a disconnect with the downtown for some in our city. So how do Brandonites feel about their downtown? Um, I know we are all excited about our downtown for sure, Um, especially when you look at the common assets that we have in the downtown. We have the library here. We have the arts gallery. uh, We have the museum. uh, We have many service points uh, for the community within the downtown. So... Uh, our downtown has um, a lot of things that we have to be proud about, but I must acknowledge that just like other downtowns, uh, our downtown also has challenges which we are trying to proactively find solutions to. For those who maybe haven't been there before we let you go, Emma, I'm just curious, paint a picture of your downtown. You're, you're In some ways, it has some similarities to Winnipeg in a sense of the rail yards right there. You had that downtown mall at one point. You do have um, some a collection of businesses that have moved into the area. How would you describe it to folks who, who might be interested in, in giving it a walk or shopping down there today? Um, like you guys already said, uh, for when you come to our downtown, you have that small town uh, community feel, right? Uh, where you find a diverse population, uh, not just in terms of people, but in terms of businesses and uh, services that exist here. Uh, so how downtown has interesting and valuable assets that we can always use uh, for our revitalization strategy. Uh, so I would like to ask anyone who is interested in visiting our community to come to our downtown and uh, get that feel that uh, of community living. Emika Eggerson, Executive Director of the Browntown, Brandon Downtown Development Corporation. Pardon me. Thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate it, sir. No problem. Thanks. Anytime. So bye for now. 743 with Mackling McGarry McNabb, and we just have a traffic tip that's come in from Highway 1. Yeah, Steve says there's fog on the Trans-Canada Highway <laughs> between St. Anne and Winnipeg. Uh, Steve estimates vis- visibility at approximately 150 meters. Oh, so, really? Yes. Yeah, so depending Do you have on... fog there, downtown? No. 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 Not really. Nothing. From my basement window, I see a leaf. That's what I've got for you. <laughs> Thanks for that. Uh, You're very welcome. important traffic, traffic tip. Very <laughs> important traffic tip. Moose is on the loose. <laughs> get back to the heart of our city it's where thousands come to work to play to be entertained downtown the forks the exchange they're designed to be the aforementioned heart of the city but we know our downtown is struggling yeah what will the next mayor do about it as we have every tuesday and thursday this month we're bringing on mayoral candidates to get their ideas and solutions across at 8 35 we'll speak with scott gillingham and right now we want to turn to jenny mott jenny good morning Hi, good morning. Short term, what's your vision? Give us the elevator pitch on Jenny Mottkolek's vision for downtown Winnipeg. 
Well, it's two things. But the first I'd like to say is that I turned 50 years old this year, and I would like to remind Winnipeggers that it's been my entire lifetime that the leadership has been trying to revitalize downtown and failing miserably. I think we can all agree to that. The reality is, is that a thriving downtown is based on successful small businesses. And the trick is to provide them with the support that they need to be successful. Because when they win, all of us win. And that means that the city has to start taking a hard look at the decisions they're making through the lens of those small business owners. And I'm talking about basic services like picking up the garbage, making sure the streetlights work, but also not cutting up their roads for months at a time and putting them out of business or taking away all of the parking to accommodate a few cyclists. These are the kinds of things that are business killers, and business killers kill downtowns. And how do you make downtown more safe? Well, you know, it starts with taking care of a lot of the people that are downtown on our streets today, and that's why I've put forward a practical strategy to actually address the amount of affordable housing that we have in this city. And, you know, I think that most Winnipeggers will agree that our downtown has an awful lot of marginalized people living on the streets and in our bus shelters and our riverbanks. And that affects people's comfort levels with going downtown to shop or work or play. And at the same time, those people need to be taken care of too. We have a thriving poverty industry in Winnipeg right now where millions and millions of dollars are being funneled into it with very little effect. You know, the end homelessness Winnipeg has existed since 2014. And I got to tell you, There's more homeless people now than there were before they started spending that money. So providing affordable housing and the way that I'm going to do it is through the private sector. We don't need hundreds of millions of dollars of public money to do this job. We just need to let Winnipeggers know what they need to do. Let them do what they know how to do. We need to have people downtown, though, too, Jenny. You have not just to live, but to work. And that's been part of the issue. I don't know if it's fair to say it's been a massive failure of the downtown because some revitalization efforts were working pre-pandemic. And then we've lost a whole host of people that aren't coming downtown to work right now, might be even staying home. And that might include some city of Winnipeg workers. Should we be getting those workers back downtown, at least the ones that are on the taxpayer dollars? Oh, 100%. You know what? It, It is time. Everyone's gone back to work. Right. And if I were mayor of Winnipeg, every city of Winnipeg employee would show up at their job every day or we'll find someone who will. Portage and Maine stay as it is or should it be opened oh up to God, pedestrian is it 2018 all over again. No, we it's just one question. Just one question. We just one part of the puzzle. The people of Winnipeg made their decision. And I'm a big believer in the, in the knowledge of the people of Winnipeg. So when the when people of Winnipeg say that they're looking for the space, that they want to make do, the downtown a more vibrant place, what do we do about some of those empty storefronts? You've been talking businesses, but what about Portage Place, for example? That's a huge swath of land that needs to be addressed. Yeah, well, Portage Place is meant to be a center of commerce. It's a mall. It's the same as all the other empty storefronts downtown. And what we need to do is we need to encourage people who would risk their own money and go and start a business there. And the way that we encourage it is by being a good partner to them and letting them know that the city's got their backs. And that's why I have proposed that we're going to develop actual high-performance government departments. We're going to get permits issued on time. We're going to get the garbage picked up. We're going to get the streetlights working. Because that's actually the only thing that that those small businesses really want from their city government is they want to partner. They want to make sure that city services are delivered in a reliable and effective way. 
so that they are able to do the very thing that we've been begging for for decades, which is to revitalize our downtown. When we support those small businesses, our small business, will, our downtown will be revived. It's the people of Winnipeg that will do this. It's not a mega project. It's not another central planning style project that's supposed to revitalize downtown because we've learned for 30 years that it doesn't work. The downtown, of course, and it includes the Forks, Jenny, is a gathering place for everyone. And this week, you were called out by outgoing Mayor Brian Bowman for not being inclusive to everyone. That's the first time he's directly... Yeah, that's well, the, the funniest thing that I've ever heard in my life for not well, being inclusive. Canada okay, is for so all ha- of hang, us. hang on. So the first, it's the first time he's directly named a candidate in the campaign, and so that's why I'm bringing it up. He was responding to your criticism of a statement made by the Assembly of Manitoba Chiefs where they expressed disappointment on your campaign promise on I Canada Day. They did not Day. express disappointment. They said that Canada should never have existed in the first place. So let's just be clear about what they said. The headline on their statement is they're disappointed in that campaign yeah, promise. Yeah, and the statement is the Canada that Jenny celebrates should never have existed in the first place. Like, I want everybody to hear that really hard. Okay? It was that that it was built on the suffering of First Nations and shouldn't have existed and in the first place. should never have existed right, in the so first place. The stance that you're taking to on this Canada Day issue, can you appreciate that there are those who might say this is setting back reconciliation efforts? No, I can't. The truth of the matter is this. You cannot be the mayor or the, of a Canadian city if you don't stand up for the right of our country to exist. I can't believe that in 2022, saying that you are a proud Canadian and that you love your country it creates controversy. But why can't you love it and Brian also Bowman acknowledge the errors of the past? and and fear and division for his entire term of office. He has created a fractured society here in Winnipeg, and that is actually his legacy. But what isn't is there it? division? And it's a reminder, by the way, it's a reminder to the 76,554 Winnipeggers that voted for me in 2018 why I ran against that guy in the first place. Why is it fear and division to, to, to appreciate the views of others that don't see Canadian history the same way you do, Jenny? We do appreciate the views of others. We have a National Day of Truth and Reconciliation. We, ha- we celebrate all of the people of Canada throughout the year in various ways. But Canada itself and Canada Day is the one thing that is actually for all Canadians. We are all Canadians. I am a Canadian. Why does it settler, have to be celebrated at that one particular, one particular spot, uh, a spot that, that highlights... The, the not just the 150 plus years of Canada, but the 6,000 year history of that 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 location in particular. Yeah, and isn't it beautiful that we have that spot and that we gather there for all kinds of reasons throughout the year, including to celebrate this incredible nation that we have all worked together to build. This is not to this is not to diminish the mistakes of the past. But it's to look forward to our happy future and to celebrate the fact that Canada remains a shining beacon of hope around the world. That's why we have plane loads of people landing here every week from Ukraine, escaping their wars. Mayoral candidate Jenny Modkaluk, we are out of time, I'm afraid, but we thank you very much for the time. Thank you. In case you missed it earlier, we uh, mentioned this about 15 minutes ago. Just want to quickly mention it again, that uh, the the power situation, the leadership situation in Britain is a mess. And, um, well, first there was a resignation, but now there are some disco lights and celebrations of sort happening. Right, Loren? 
Yeah, so I, I don't know. When did this lettuce go up? I know it was purchased at Tesco. It's, I read for six pence. Somebody put the lettuce up on a table and next four to a picture. Four or five days ago, I think. Yeah, of, of Liz Truss, because four or five days ago, there was this idea that she was not going to be able to maintain her hold on power in the UK. And there's a live stream of this head of lettuce uh, now with disco lights around it because we've learned that Liz Truss has resigned, which means Liz did not outlast this head of lettuce, the shelf life of this head of lettuce. There's now, I think, what looks like a champagne maybe next to the head of lettuce there's a clock i don't know if this is a, a scone maybe <laughs> on the plate I, I mean listen this is someone's career someone's life that they that is being mocked but what's being mocked really is just the the length of time she was able to stay on power six weeks as prime minister four prime ministers in six years in that country when we complain about minority governments here there's just some perspective there, that's all. And I think only one of them, if I'm not mistaken, Loren, of the last six have actually been elected, were the leader of the party. That's right. When that party came to power, the rest of them have been based on resignations and or being forced out of office and then uh, replaced by a party leadership race. So it's been some time. You've had all these changes in leadership, and it's been a long time since uh, Britons have actually had the opportunity to uh, vote for the party uh, who and the person ultimately who would become prime minister. So we'll have more on that through the day, no doubt. But in the meantime, before we get to the keys to the game coming up in just over three minutes' time, uh, we want to get to some of your feedback because we're talking about downtown Winnipeg today. What what can we do to make it better as we speak to mayoral candidates about their vision for downtown Winnipeg? We just heard from Jenny Motkaluk at 745, and you'll be able to hear that in the audio vault at cjob.com or later in our podcast for the start. But... Uh, so many texts to choose from here. Greg, I understand Helen has a good one. Yeah, and I agree. Jenny said something that in her 50 years, all her life, she says that Winnipeg downtown has been a, a source of consternation, a source of wonder. How do we fix it? That's absolutely accurate. It's been my entire life. Helen says this going previous to uh, my time, once upon a time, many years ago, when the Greyhound bus depot was removed from Graham Avenue, not Portage Avenue, Graham Avenue and moved to Portage Avenue, the city was going to turn Graham Avenue from Donald to Vaughn Street into a pedestrian walk park with trees, benches, kiosks, outdoor patios, cafes, no cars, no buses, Beautiful plans were proposed and drawn up, overwhelmingly accepted by people of Winnipeg. Typical Winnipeg City Council shelved it for a bus corridor. How sad that Winnipeg politicians can't see any progress for the city past their noses. And then she, uh, Helen points out the original plans for the uh, outer perimeter and the uh, inner perimeter, uh, one of three roads that were, were eventually only one of them were built, of course. I think Graham could easily be t- turned into some sort of pedestrian corridor. That could happen. That wouldn't be that problematic. It would just about moving the buses over. There's not a lot of storefronts on Graham right now. I know they're closer to where the bay was. There's some stores. Yeah, just a couple of blocks there. But but there's but there's not a there's not a lot. And then you might open up opportunity for more stores if you have that space. I'm trying to think of other cities that have those pedestrian malls, but I keep coming up with Spark Street in Ottawa. Stephen Avenue, Eighth Avenue in uh, Calgary is a right. pedestrian mall. That's 
right. It's yep. directly adjacent. Uh, one block north is where the SkyTrain goes. Uh, they are a little bit of a different. Uh, those two streets have a very different feel. The one with the SkyTrain, eh, maybe yes. not the best. Or pardon me, the C Train. I'm I'm conflating Vancouver and, and and Calgary's public transportation system. But Stephen Avenue Mall in Calgary has gone through a little bit of a renaissance and and you know an up and down as well. Uh, but but it's it, it's a great place to spend some time. You know what another great street is in the downtown, Brett, is Broadway. Do you ever yeah. walk down Broadway? It's oh. just the trees and it's a nice wide space. A lot more could be done with that. I mean, that boulevard is huge in the middle. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's difficult, actually, to walk down Broadway sometimes just because of the in the summertime for the number of food trucks. That can park down there, and I have to walk by trying to be a good boy. <laughs> like, I'm trying to watch my weight. And once again, right, it's, it's, a, it's a pain, quote unquote, for all the right reasons, because there's so many people enjoying the amenity. Yeah, and a sad thing about Graham too. A couple of I just walked down there the other day, noticed a couple more businesses had closed. I don't know when. There was a like a soups and sandwiches yeah. place. One of them is still open on the south side of Graham. Yes, but the one on the north side oh, is geez. gone. And another business was I think the pictures frames and more is gone. Uh, so yeah, it's tough. Uh, so maybe if they they'd still be there if it was a pedestrian corridor. Let's continue the chat on downtown. It's where thousands come to work, to play, to be entertained. The downtown, the Forks, the Exchange, they're all designed to be the heart of the city, but we know our downtown is struggling. We know what many of you would do about it. You have been waiting in here at 780-6868. What would the next mayor do about it? Well, as we have every Tuesday and Thursday this month, we're bringing on mayoral candidates to get their ideas and solutions on a wide variety of issues. 45 minutes ago, we spoke to Jenny Mokaluk, and now we want to turn to Scott Gillingham. Good morning, Scott. Good morning. Let's just start off with the short term, because I think we all acknowledge where the downtown is at. Short term, what are some of your solutions to bring either business, people, or all back to the downtown? We need more people living in the downtown, and so that's why I put forward the idea to convert some uh, office buildings that are no longer full to residential so that we can attract more people uh, to, you know, to the downtown so they can call downtown home. Um, also, I've talked about the need for us to look at developing affordable housing on the Portage Place tower pads um, so that more people can have not only a home, but have an affordable home also. But to do all that, we also have to deal with the safety concerns that many people have around the downtown. And that's why I've, um, I've stated that I will add permanent funding to the Downtown Community Safety Partnership. And what's key about the Downtown Community Safety Partnership is not only are they making the community safer, but they're also helping to address uh, homelessness and addiction because too often right now, crime, homelessness and addiction are feeding off one another. Crime, homelessness, addiction, obviously big picture issues, but you're right, they have an impact in how we perceive the downtown. I like your idea of converting, you know, unused office space into uh, apartments or condos. We've seen that basically right across the street from us here on Main Street where the passport office is. But that's long-term stuff, Scott. What about in the interim, the smaller things that we can do just to get people returning to the downtown? Kate Fenske saying they've got, you know, uh, this 32% or thereabout vacancy rate with regard to storefronts. Uh, we need to turn that around sooner than later. We can't wait for five, six years for two apartment towers at Portage Place. 
Right, and and that's why during my time on council now, and and my last uh, this last year as, as chair of finance, put a budget together that funded the downtown biz recovery plan. The city worked with uh, Kate Fenske and the biz owners, the downtown biz, exchange biz. Uh, that put together a plan of recovery uh, post-pandemic. And I think it's really important to remind, you know, all of us that before the pandemic hit, the downtown had momentum. We had a really good momentum in the downtown. Uh, True North Square was being developed. Uh, Kalmyuk uh, Inuit Art uh, Gallery, you know, was, was uh, be, you know, is now open. 300 Main Street, the tallest building in Winnipeg, has been open. So we had some good momentum. It's time to recapture that momentum. But the way we can do that is to fund the plans that the downtown biz has for recovery. That includes improving our streetscaping and um, looking at some surface parking lots, converting them from empty lots to, to residential. There's a lot of good plans in the works, and they're, they're in the works right now. Scott, it's Brett McGarry here, and one of our listeners, Stacy, uh, weighing in on something that you just said. She, Stacy says... Um, there was so much progress pre-COVID and we'll get there again, but we can't go back to relying on office workers. I've worked downtown for 14 years. I'd like to go for walks at lunch. One thing I've really noticed is the lack of street cleaning, empty flower boxes, broken garbage bins, the need for regular trash pickup, the sidewalks need regular pressure washing, some simple maintenance and regular maintenance activities are inexpensive and would go a long way. What's the saying? Dress for the job you want. So what do you say to Stacy? Stacy's right. That's why I hope Stacy appreciates my idea of the neighborhood action teams. Neighborhood action teams would be teams of 10 that would tackle all the jobs. They would know how to do everything from repairing potholes and fixing curbs to cleaning up the sidewalks, repairing sidewalks as well. And they would descend upon a community, descend upon the downtown, clean it, fix it. And when, when, when the city looks better, we feel better about ourselves. It's attractive. It's more attractive to get out. If you're working in the downtown and walk at lunchtime or if you're living in the downtown, you feel better about your neighborhood. My neighborhood action teams will, will, will accomplish that. So you, and you talk about the fact, you know, you were on council and, and you've been part of some of the decisions being made in a wide variety of issues, Scott. The downtown, as we've said, it was making some momentum pre-pandemic, but in the midst of the pandemic, we all saw what was happening. Do you feel like we move quickly enough on addressing these needs? We established that downtown safety partnership, but, you know, for example, even on the little things like trying to get more cameras up, we're still waiting on some of them. And it feels like the file sometimes moves far too slowly. You, you are on that file. So how do we make action happen more quickly? Well, I, I think what's important too is during, during, you mentioned the pandemic. During the pandemic, um, we acted as, we did act quickly. For example, we were one of only two cities, I believe, if not the only city uh, in Canada to provide grants during the pandemic to businesses, to small businesses, to try to help them through the pandemic and keep their doors open just, you know, another month. Um, we, we did put funding in, you know, for the downtown community safety partnership. We partnered with the province to provide funding to, to, to help, uh, you know, address safety concerns and homeless addiction concerns uh, on our city streets in the downtown. Um, but now it's time to recapture that momentum. I've, you know, I've, I've got several plans that I've announced, many I just talked about here today, to immediately begin to reinvigorate our downtown but key to it, uh, to it all in the long term, is more people calling the center of our city home. And so to do that, just like you and I, if we live perhaps, perhaps in the suburbs, we have, you know, amenities in our neighborhood that we appreciate and enjoy. For people to live downtown, we've got to provide those amenities as well. My plan will do that.
They're private businesses that are prepared and have stuck it out through the pandemic, Scott. And uh, just one example, I know uh, for certain, uh, a business that wanted to close off one street in downtown and, and make it a big patio over the course of a weekend. The city insisted on being compensated for the lost parking meter revenue as though every single spot was going to be filled for every single minute of every single day that those parking meters were eligible. It was going to be over $10,000 to accommodate this, and it would have brought hundreds of people downtown in a very organic fashion. Are you prepared to look at at little things like that that can make a a huge difference in, in how we feel about being downtown? And I've already announced that. I've announced the concept of Patio City, where we would allow restaurants, especially those in the downtown, to expand the patio space into available public space where it's safe to do so. Or if they own, you know, property next door, they could have a patio. If you have a restaurant, you get to have a patio and and you can do it with no cost. There's no cost to the permit and would reduce the red tape. All all restaurant owners have to do is just, uh, you know, register online, make sure obviously that their patio complies with public health and safety regulations. But uh, we, again, could invigorate the downtown and imagine, imagine a downtown with, uh, you know, restaurants just with patios everywhere. And you walk in the downtown, if you live there, or if you go there for the evening, and it's just, uh, it's just lined with patios and people enjoying uh, enjoying the evening. And uh, my plan does that. It's the, the idea of Patio City. Scott, we've got a, only about 30 seconds here, so we'll just ask you a quick one. Portage in Maine, should it be open or stay closed? Uh, right now, I've said it should stay closed because, uh, you know, just four years ago, the, the public uh, voted on that. I want to say one other thing quickly, though, and that's to, to talk about the arts community. You know, the arts community in the downtown has been, an, has been a solid anchor consistently, and uh, we need to remember how important they are to our downtown. I've said I'll bring in full restoration, 100% of the arts funding uh, back to pre-pandemic levels to help the arts communities continue to draw people into the downtown. Scott Killingham joining us live on 680 CJOB, mayoral candidate. Thank you very much for the time. We appreciate it. Thank you. More people living downtown? That's the focus for the downtown biz as it works with the business community and government on revitalizing our core. And earlier this year when we were talking about the downtown, we heard from a listener who caught our attention because he and his wife had not only lived downtown, they moved there during the pandemic, in the middle of the pandemic, made that choice. And considering we're talking about the downtown today, we wanted to hear how it's going. So we're joined now again by Jason Gravelin. Good morning, Jason. Hey, good morning, everybody. How are you today? We're good. Thanks for taking the time again with us. And, and I'm fascinated by this because if you can, can you take us back to the decision to move downtown? Where were you and what went into the moment where you thought, you know what, we'd like to give the downtown a shot? Well, full credit uh, goes to my wife for, for this crazy idea. She had wanted to live downtown for quite some time, and uh, we were living in Tyndall Park at the time. And about two years ago in October, we she floated the idea, let's downsize, sell, and moved downtown. And I, uh, I was on board with it, fully on board. Three weeks later, the house was sold. Uh, about a month after that, in early December uh, of uh, two years ago, of 2020, we found ourselves living downtown and we've been there ever since. And in fact, we've just renewed our lease. So uh, we're, we're really enjoying it. That's a pretty strong endorsement when you renew that lease, Jason. So what is it that you like about being downtown and, and talk about that change of change of location. It, it feels and seems fairly dramatic for, you know, someone like me who, who lives in the suburbs. 
It, it, it is. You've got to take the the big deep breath before you, you take the leap. And in our case, we had a, a very uh, comfortable house uh, in a blue-collar neighborhood in Winnipeg, a great neighbors, great uh, safe environment for, for us and our kids. Um, and as the kids were growing and leaving the house and aging, uh, we decided to, you know, it was time to downsize and maybe simplify our lives. Uh, we live in an apartment uh, right in the heart of downtown. Um, I have, I joke, I haven't been to Home Depot or Canadian Tire for home repair stuff in almost two years. Um, <laughs> you know, this this simplified living of trying to do, you know, live your life with far less space. Uh, but in some ways, it actually makes life more pleasant. We we think less about the stuff and more about activities and events and and, uh, and you know and, and enjoying and embracing downtown. Uh, one of the things we we quite like is that True North Square is used more and more. And as we, you know, sort of uh, remove ourselves from the, the higher COVID threat, we're seeing far more people downtown salsa Sundays and events through the week and hundreds of people in the square enjoying a cocktail and, 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 and populating the sidewalks again. Um, it's just, it's been a slow but sure improvement, uh, but it's been really encouraging to be part of that. You talked about your past neighborhood being a safe environment for your kids. Do you feel safe living downtown? You know what? Where we are, I do feel safe, and I, I, I feel safe for my family. Um, there are undeniably elements of downtown that are less safe, and, you know, those are, those are tough issues. There are social issues, uh, probably a good element of uh, mental health issues there too, um, and there is no easy fix for that. And we have a bit of a chicken-egg situation here that, you know, we need to bring people downtown, which will bring services and safety, but people won't come downtown until there's services and safety. And, you know, that's a tough nut to crack. Uh, in our case, we have a very safe uh, building, safe environment. Uh, we were very comfortable with the location, and, uh, which is part of the reason we decided to take the leap. Out of curiosity, what have your friends, you know, and your neighbors in the old neighborhood said to you in the last year about your decision to move and, and wondering now how you're doing? Because they're, you know, we hear from a wide variety of folks, as you know, Jason, every day, and some say they have no issues downtown and others say, oh, no way, I would never do it. And I, I'm just wondering what your circle has felt as they well, visit you in this new space. Yeah, the circle of friends, uh, there's been a, an element of intrigue, uh, you know, a bit of a, oh, no way would I do that. And there are others that, that look at it and say, geez, we, we should do that too. That would be perfect for our life. Uh, we've had friends uh, uh, visit our building and use some of our amenities, you know, sitting on uh, on the top floor of the building, enjoying a cocktail and watching the sunset, um, meeting friends at Jets games and, and using some of the... Uh, uh, some of the services that are really within a skywalk or a walk outside away. We do far more of our living closer to, to home. Um, and a lot of our friends uh, in our circle have been intrigued and, and, and kind of uh, uh, impressed or living vicariously through us and even considering making the, the move themselves. Jason, we've got to get out here, but you know, Hargrave Street Market, uh, such a fantastic facility, and unfortunately the hallmark of a lot of things that the people uh, like to say, I don't even feel like I'm in Winnipeg. <laughs> and so those elements, and we've been talking about this this morning, things that we've seen elsewhere that are now starting to come to Winnipeg or should come to Winnipeg, it, it, is that part of it for you? that sort of vacation away from home, but yet still being in Winnipeg, it's like, I feel like I'm somewhere else. There is an element of that. I mean, it's, uh, I won't say it's particularly unique to have these markets, uh, but seeing this in Winnipeg and seeing this slow, but sure uh, increase of traffic downtown, it's been encouraging seeing stuff 
in the plaza and True North Square. As I mentioned, salsa Sundays and, and through the week, various entertainments and, and, and just encouraging people to explore their downtown and, and come out. Um, it has been encouraging. I, you know, I, I, I mentioned, you know, I have a Dale Howardchuck statue in my backyard. <laughs> and anytime I want to see it, I walk down Dale Howardchuck Way and I reflect on the greatest hockey player that's ever played here. Uh, that's, that's incredible to be able to experience that and, and have that as my environment. So I'm very, I'm very fortunate. I just want to quickly ask, Salsa Sunday, do you mean salsa like the dip or salsa like the dancing? Salsa like the dancing. They crack the, uh, crank the music, hundreds and hundreds of people salsa dancing on a Sunday oh. evening. Uh, they've got a, a shipping container that they've converted into a, into a bar. Of course, you have Hargrave Market. You have uh, Lake of the Woods Brewing and all the businesses in Matola, all in the square. And on Sunday night uh, through the summer, it was salsa music and dancing and very loud. You, you couldn't miss it. But it was just so encouraging to see hundreds and hundreds of people in the square enjoying downtown Winnipeg. So it can be done. Jason Gravelin, we'll leave it there. Thank you very much for joining us, sir. We appreciate it and we admire and appreciate your passion for our downtown. Anytime. My pleasure. Thank you. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. We've got tickets to give away to see Brian Adams, November 2nd, Canada Life Centre in downtown Winnipeg. We're asking you what you would like to see in downtown Winnipeg that you have seen in other downtowns. Greg, what does Teresa have? Montreal had a really great initiative downtown when I was there a couple of years ago. They had short historical films and documentaries featuring Montreal pioneers or events that were projected onto outside walls of buildings. People could use a QR code for the audio. Lots of people on the streets and a history lesson to boot. Was a little disarming, though, to have the video rolling all night just outside of your hotel room. And I think, you know what, I think they've done stuff like that. I seem to remember talking to somebody on this show. Maybe it was a Halloween. They brought mm-hmm. the ghost signs to That's light. That's right. Yeah. 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 It was fantastic. Jay says, while visiting San Francisco, we came across self-cleaning public toilets with timed doors to avoid them being used as shelters or consumption sites. I would really like to see something of the sort in downtown Winnipeg. I think the residents, homeless or not, would benefit greatly from these. The timed doors, though, how does that work? It's incredible. I saw these in San Jose, just down the road from San San Francisco. And so they're a compartment, maybe they're about eight by eight feet. And so you get a certain amount of time to go in and use the facility. And then you get a warning. It's pretty loud. Like, you got to get out. because it's what? Well, there's a sprinkler system <laughs> that washes down the entire inside of the washroom every single time it's used. It's basically like a, a car wash. Oh my! What if gosh. you're having like a situation? Yeah, <laughs> you might not want to use that particular facility. Like how long? I, would... I think about three minutes. Oh gosh! Oh yeah. See, that could be tight for some people. I, I don't want to <laughs> see what that did in London. London and lots of other places in Europe, they have the pay toilets, right? And it's a public toilet. But you have to have money, like a pound coin, or and I, the one I used, I could use my debit card. But I thought again, if you're in a situation rushing in, and then you're like feeling in your pockets for that loony, I don't like that idea at all. Yeah, that's tight. But let's jump to the winner here, uh, Mackling, Danny. Is taking the day. I like the uh, Santa Monica Pier, which expands to a closed uh, street across uh, from from the from the pier. I think it's called the Promenade in uh, Santa Monica. A permanent large area of fellowship parties, entertainment, shopping, and activities. Concept where you permanently shut down traffic on a few blocks of cross streets that won't affect traffic too much. Starting with the Promenade behind Portage Place. 
They run uh, events, or or actually Danny says, then run events that bring people like a huge winter ice castle, bar at night, food, uh, food march during the day with fake polar bear rug benches or local celebrities, comedians doing shows, ongoing festivals on weekdays, street entertainers with free family festivals, petting zoos, downtown biz and other funds could partially subsidize free food, truck parking and areas to set up food stands at no cost to the retailer. Give people free passes, vouchers for, with purchases from downtown businesses. Keep this running year round and coordinate with Jets games <laughs> to maximize draw. Wow, this is a plan. This is a plan. Concept is to get people to associate downtown with events and fun, like the Forks or Cordon, but much better. And sponsors get recognition and tax write-offs. And Loren, do you see this P.S. that yes, Danny added? Yes, because this is why I really liked it. Danny added P.S. Brian Adams' song, Everything I Do, was our first waltz at our wedding 30, 30 years ago. So I need these Brian Adams ticks to carry me through the next 30. <laughs> Danny, you've got them. Great idea. Have fun. Congratulations. <laughs> Loren, you had a, a question pertaining regarding one particular amenity we'd like to see. I'm surprised this took so long to come from a listener. I jokingly mentioned this at our 645 having coffee chat, but this listener says, could you imagine a downtown water slide park where one of the slides crosses Portage Avenue but has a glass bottom? Cars below could see the sliders streaking across Portage Avenue while the person on the side could look down on the traffic and people below. See, that's a water park with a vision. That's I'm I'm, I'm cool. here for that. What is it Atlantis in the Bahamas that has the yeah. water slide that goes under the sharks? Yeah, that's right. I'm not there for that. No, no, but uh, this <laughs> sort of piggybacking on this entire <laughs> opportunity. And then maybe as you uh, end the slide, you slide right into a snowmobile suit and a pair of skates. And then you go right outside and you have to skate <laughs> back to the top. <laughs> oh, I love it. It incorporates everything. No, I had said jokingly at 645 a water park, but I don't know a city where those water parks are actually in the downtown. Is, but- there, is there one in downtown Minneapolis? I want to say there is one that's close to downtown Minneapolis. But wh- like- the Great Wolf Walt Lodge in Minneapolis, has, much like the Grand Forks one, has the water slide that goes outside and then back in. And in the winter, it's cold. Yeah? Like just for five seconds. You're like, oh, I'm outside. Get- oh, yeah, I'm back in. <laughs> oh, like it's, it's, it's like open. The water slide goes out. No, it's not open. It's a closed slide. But you can feel the cold as soon as you hit the outside oh, park coming back in in winter. But the Great Wolf Lodge is not near the downtown. I think it's a Great American is, Water Park or something. I'll, I'll stop talking. Uh, let me try and uh, Google <laughs> sure. this. But <laughs> I but the water park thing does always come up. But I, I that's not a downtown thing. I, I don't see where that would go. But maybe I'm wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong. Ah, I mean, there's see? lots of surface parking lots right by Shaw Park. There we've got others where a building could go up. Maybe it could just even be. Uh, summertime splash pad like the transcona one that's a, got a couple water slides in a pool and then in the winter time it converts to a rink see i'm, I'm guilty of, of of thinking too big but like i imagine that west edmonton mall water park with a retractable roof with like four four hotels one on each corner and we need more 
uh, you know, high scale, upper scale uh, hotels in downtown Winnipeg. The Sutton Place Hotel that's supposed to be going up across from True North Square. That construction's been stalled. The NHL, you know, uh, amongst other conventions, etc., are looking for more, you know, prime hotel space in the city of Winnipeg. It, it's hurting our, our chances of getting big events. <laughs> I know it's a really big vision. It's probably like a six or seven hundred million dollar project, and and mega projects probably aren't the answer here. Because I think as we're learning, Brett, I said to you, I said to you in the break, I said I think we've heard more this morning in three and a half hours from our listeners. Really good ideas, most of sure. which don't really cost anything. Better ideas in three and a half hours from our listeners than we've heard from the mayoral candidates in the last six weeks. We had uh, a couple of people point out you, they, that saying that Portage and Main can be opened by having the the pedestrian crosswalk that goes over, much like you see in Las Vegas, where you go you cross the street by going above it. And I don't see why that couldn't potentially be done in Winnipeg. But Quinn, with an interesting one, seen in a downtown outside of Winnipeg, but not too far from Winnipeg, the city of Selkirk, Holiday Alley. Such a beautiful event. It gets everyone out. This is in the heart of Selkirk, downtown on Manitoba Avenue. Gets packed. Now, this is a community event. Business has Christmas. Businesses have Christmas lights on them. The buildings are actually wrapped in the lights. It is beautiful. And Quinn says, that's my event in a downtown outside of Winnipeg. Yeah. The, the, like the holidays is a special time of year. And there are some cities that really embrace it, kind of have that Christmas market type feel and garland everywhere and lights everywhere. But lights everywhere is not a bad idea downtown in the dark anyway. So I like that one for sure. Another listener says in New Orleans, they close Bourbon Street every evening to traffic and people can wander down the street enjoying the stores all evening and the bars. Great atmosphere. Ottawa has some streets closed to traffic all summer and people can walk the streets enjoying the shops and bars. Why not Graham Avenue, Graham Avenue like this? Yeah, that, that's a big idea, and I think that one is easy enough to do. I know in saying that, there'd be some rerouting, there'd be some cars that can go down the street, but cars aren't really supposed to go down Graham for the most part anyway, right? Starting that... I want to say I want to say Kennedy? Hargrave or you know all the way from Maine to Hargrave or thereabouts or Edmonton perhaps but you know under the new transit master plan that's all going away the buses are going to be going I believe back onto back Portage, Portage Avenue yeah. and so there'll be some opportunities there but there are some great streets already that do close down for different events like Nuit Blanche like uh, for uh, the Many Fringe Fest. Festival or Many Fest or for Jazz Festival. And like, is it really that big of a deal to close things off, say, from 7 o'clock or 6 o'clock on a Friday night till 1 o'clock in the morning on Sunday? You could do that all summer long if you wanted to. And getting back to that Christmas thing, I thought Winnipeg was supposed to be the Christmas city, the winter city. Well, why don't we have some sort of little Main Street USA with, you know, where it's Christmas 365 days a year? Hallmark is pretty much trying to do that to the wow. city anyway. <laughs> well, maybe so. they, they could build it and then they then, then they could shut it Leave down it. for filming whenever they want. Yeah, why have don't a they do that? Hallmark should just invest like in a Come full on. Christmas alley. And we could just have Hallmark movies filled year round in that alley, but also have us come and go from it. You know, you get your gingerbread man in April if you feel like it. I always lamented when they remember they shot years and years ago uh, a movie called Christmas Rush. Yeah, of course. They shot yes. it at Portage Place. Yeah. The 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 Santa's, you know, castle display they built was sensational. And I never understood why the mall didn't do whatever it could. Just to keep it there. Yes. 
Because the one that they put ended up putting up every year after that, I remember when I first saw the, the old display, that I was like, ah, mm. that's just sad now. After seeing what they did with this sure. space, with that display. So it just, that was kind of an example of like, they should, you know, they, I know what you did was okay. Someone came in and did something better. Why not do better next time? I don't know. I, I completely Isn't that side, agree. Wasn't Tristan Field Jones in that movie? Former CJOB colleague Tristan Field Jones. I wasn't going to go there, but. In a film called Christmas Rush, and he even has a, a page on IMDb. That right. is fabulous. He, he's put it out there, so I just wanted to flag that because you could also see some people you know in that movie if you want to rewatch it and take a look at the Christmas thing. I think there's just what's really neat about this is some of these ideas are fairly simple. I, you know, I know there's big, complex problems. There's crime, there's homelessness, there's downtown affordability, there's cost of living. But there's just some simple things you could do that would, I think, attract people to stay. E- even when you look at what 201 Portage is trying to do, the building you guys are in right now with a uh, courtyard. Is that a space that could eventually be where people actually hang out during the day? You think about the patios that are going up on the corners. I think it's, is it highs? Yep. And um, 529, you know, that they're looking to do things on that corner to make that like not just a space slab of cement concrete but people come and go well and then we've got a couple of uh we got one text message and i got an email you know uh, you know mackling and uh, mcnab why don't you guys move downtown and uh practice what you preach or whatever like this is a metropolitan area of a million people essentially we're not talking about everybody moving downtown we're talking about getting a, to a critical mass because in downtowns all over North America, people are moving from the suburbs to downtown. It is happening here. What do we have to do to make it happen more quickly? What do we have to do to make it more appealing for people just to come and play downtown? We're not talking about everybody moving downtown. We're not sure. even, ta- even talking about everybody coming to visit downtown even once a year. Don't come. If you don't want to come, that's fine. But I think we have plenty of examples of events that happen every single year where people do come downtown. They're clamoring to come downtown. They're just looking for an excuse to do so. And we're trying to compile a little bit of a list of of things that, that people would like to see just to continue with that momentum. Because to imagine that downtown Winnipeg is always desolate and there's never anybody here is completely false. Well, people have been to Jets games or they've been to a concert or they've been to a show that brought them downtown. And too often, if you've made this, and you're making this point on a new episode of the Turning Point podcast with Richard Cloutier that's supposed to drop today on, on downtown living, Greg and Brett. And Greg made the point in it, Brett, that too often people come downtown and kind of operate like they're in a tunnel, take their car, park it in a parking garage, go to the event, go back to their car, go back home. But if you create spaces where people would come down a half hour earlier, an hour earlier to do different things, that's also part of downtown living in the sense that you were living in that space in that moment. Doesn't mean 24 hours a day. <laughs> 